0: on Local Now, Channel 525. Today, on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Real love is calling, opens up your eyes, mercy is
0: waiting for every
1: sunrise. We need to stop listening to what just a plurality of people say in our life. We need to hear. There's one singular voice that you and I need to hear over the clamor of all the plurality of people. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. And we need to be willing when it is necessary to stand alone and be a part of the proud minority instead of being guided just because a majority of people say it must be true or it must be right. Okay? Don't allow the majority to run your life. This
0: is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the Book of Acts. Today, Pastor Gary will teach about Paul's adventurous sail as a prisoner to Rome. Paul knew the weather conditions weren't ideal for the sail, but the crew decided to go on anyway because of money and because of the opinion of the majority. Those are not good reasons to determine your decisions. Pastor Gary will encourage you to seek the voice of God in your decision-making. God has a plan for you. He sent an angel to comfort and encourage Paul in the middle of the storm. Paul was going to be okay, and God would still lead him where he should be. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 27 for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
1: chapter 27. We're going to close out the book of Acts tonight. So if you'll take your Bibles and go to Acts 27, we're going to look at the last two chapters together. As you're finding your place there, um, here's where the book of Acts ends. Paul is in Caesarea. That's where he's been for a couple of years. He has been there under house arrest uh, because his fellow Jews have accused him of misrepresenting them and misrepresenting the law. Of course, he hasn't done either. He just simply has been proclaiming Christ. But to a Jew who thought that the only way to God was through the law, the concept of the cross and Jesus dying for their sins and being the sacrificial lamb of all lambs was foreign to them. And so many Jews who didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah that had long been prophesied through the Old Testament scriptures uh, took issue with Paul, that the message he was preaching was heretical. And so they claimed that Christianity was a heretical sect of Judaism. And, and so for those who didn't embrace and accept Christ, their view of Paul, their view of Jesus, was uh, one that was accompanied by much animosity, uh, much hatred, even to the point where the Bible says on several occasions they, they actually conspired to kill Paul. That's how much uh, they hated him and his message. And so because of all this uproar, when Paul was in Jerusalem, he gets arrested really for his own good. The Roman soldiers come, and the Roman government has protected him by throwing him in jail. And then he appeals to Caesar. So he's in Caesarea for his own safety because they tried to kill him in Jerusalem. And while in Caesarea... A couple of years go by. He appeals to Governor Felix and then Governor Festus. And finally, it's getting nowhere. So as a Roman citizen, Paul is a Jew, but he's also a Roman citizen, born a Roman citizen. He exercises his right as a Roman citizen, and he appeals all the way to Caesar. This is like appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court. This is going as high as you can go for justice. And so in chapter 27 and 28, what we're going to read is his voyage from Caesarea all the way to Rome, there in Italy. So that's where he has to go if he's going to appeal to Caesar. That's where Caesar is in Rome. So here in chapter 27, it says, verse 1, When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. By the way, this is a guy that shows a lot of favor to Paul, so I I don't know if we'll end up seeing Julius in heaven or not, but he's he's a good centurion to him. A centurion named Julius who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramatium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. The ship comes from Asia Minor. It comes from Turkey. And it's a vessel of, you know, import-export. So it's come down to Caesarea dropped off its goods, and now it is ready to make basically the return journey. And that's what the centurion boards with Paul, and it, we're going to find out later, a total of 276 passengers, including uh, passengers and crew, 276 people on this ship. And uh, they're going to they're make their way uh, through various ships on their way to Rome. So this is the first one that they board. Uh, They put out to sea. It tells us at the end of verse 2 that Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. Notice it's us. It's the personal pronoun that includes the writer of the book of Acts, which is Luke. So Luke is also a part of Paul's traveling companion on this voyage for his hearing in Rome. Luke and Aristarchus, there they are accompanying Paul. Well, it says in verse 3, the next day we landed at Sidon so we're just going to go up the Mediterranean coast now from Caesarea up further to Sidon we landed in Sidon and Julius in kindness to Paul allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs Uh, King James Version says to refresh himself so this is this is a nice opportunity and again this is where Julius is being kind to him because he's allowing Paul's friends no doubt his Christian friends to come and minister to him here he is on his way to this trial in in Rome, and so when they get to Sidon, Julius allows Paul to have some contact with some of his friends, and so they refresh him. they minister to him, they provide for his needs and From there, we put out to sea again and, and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Verse five says that when we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. Why is Myra an important city in terms of some ancient um, history? And, and uh, because, for those of you who want the historical background on Santa Claus, Myra is that place where St. Nicholas, who was a bishop of Myra, a very strong, devout Christian who was born in the late uh, 3rd century and uh, died about 352 AD. He was Bishop of Myra. He was actually one who signed the Nicene Creed as part of a testimony to the the basic fundamental truths of Christianity. And uh, he became noted as a saint later by, by the Greek Orthodox and the Roman Catholic Church, but, you know, originally Nicholas, but before he became Saint Nicholas was well-known historically for his generosity. He would go around especially giving gifts to the poor and to the needy. Picture kind of the Roman Catholic cardinal red suit, and there you have the whole background of St. Nick. Now, I don't know where Rudolph and Donner and Blixen came from. I don't, know, I don't know how all that got in there, but as far as an historical, quote, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, that's the guy from Myra. All right, just extra information, no charge here at Cornerstone. There you go. The Bishop of Myra, who lived to 270 to to actually 343 AD is when he died. Okay, so that's one of the places that they land. Verse 6, and there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. So, you know, this is not like, you know, back in the day, you could just get on Royal Princess and then, you know, head straight to Rome and take a little Mediterranean cruise and sip little drinks with umbrellas in them non-alcoholic that is but anyhow this this is the day when like you took a boat here and then asked around you know are you going somewhere yeah we're going okay we want to get on your boat and then you land somewhere else where are you going well we're going here okay then you jump on another boat that's what they're doing They're they're hopscotching their way from Caesarea all the way up to Rome and so they get on this boat it's an Alexandrian ship well Alexandria is the northern uh, city of uh, in Egypt and so, this is a boat that originally came from Alexandria. Back in the day, historically, this boat typically was a, a vessel that would uh, transport grain. We find out later, it's a grain ship. And uh, normally, historically, the dimensions of this ship were 140 feet long by 36 feet wide. Again, we're going to find that there are 276 uh, those who are passengers and the ship's crew it has the capacity to transport a displacement of 1,200 tons. So this is a grain ship that is exporting, importing, trading, and you know it's a shipping vessel of goods, and they're going to board this ship in order to make their way towards, towards Rome. So they put us on board, verse 6 says, and then verse 7, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. Uh, When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. Okay, so Salmon, and then verse 8, we moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. So this is all happening on the island of Crete, which is in the center there in the middle of the Mediterranean. So so they're on this island here. They've landed at a place called Fair Havens. It sounds like a retirement home, Uh, but there they are. And they're near the town of Lysia. And verse 9 says, "...a much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the fast." Not feast. Fast. And this is a reference to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the high holy day on the religious calendar. Still is. Yom meaning day. Kippur from a word meaning atonement. So it is the day of atonement. So this is the day when the Jews under the law thought and believed that their sins were atoned for... And under the Old Testament provision, before Christ, it was the way that God provided for a temporary means of atonement. By the sprinkling of the blood of a Lamb onto the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, which is inside the Holy of the Holies of the Temple, the priest would go once a year on Yom Kippur to make atonement for the sins of the people. This was that day. And Yom Kippur, on our calendar, which is a lunar calendar, and the Jewish calendar is a solar calendar, so it's not always aligned exactly. So Yom Kippur typically falls the end of September, first part of October on our calendar. I mention this because we're going to see here in a moment, this time of year is not a good time for sailing. Any time between mid-September until late November uh, is the chance for random storms and turbulent weather, and that's what we're going to find happening here. So the time had become lost, it says. The sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So now we're talking probably early October. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. Okay, now... I want to point out a few things here. For those of you taking notes, we are going to go back and forth with some points, wisdom from chapters 27 and 28. I want you to notice here, this is going to be the first point of wisdom that as I look through these chapters, these are just kind of things that I've pulled out. You could probably pull out a lot better and more points of wisdom, but I'm going to give you just seven for tonight. Here's the first one. This is not necessarily some kind of prophetic word from Paul. Okay. Okay. The fact that this guy, as I made mention at the end of his third missionary journey, he has logged more than 3,500 miles by sea in the course of his missionary travels. This guy knows a little bit about navigating rough waters. In fact, in his letter to the Corinthians, by this time, he says he's already been shipwrecked three times. So this guy knows a little something about dangerous sailing. So when he speaks up here, He's simply using common sense that God has given him. All right, it it doesn't always have to be a prophetic word in your life. Sometimes God can just speak through very natural means and he can give us some common sense to live our lives by because he's the author of wisdom. And so if we ask for wisdom, James says, if you ask for wisdom, the only reason you won't get wisdom is because you ask with wrong motives or because you don't ask at all. So if we operate in the wisdom of the Lord, some of these things will be the common sense that he's given us. Paul says here, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. Point number one in our list, God has given us common sense. Use it. This is a guy just with common sense at this point. It's not a prophetic word, not in this context. He's just saying, you know what, I'm an experienced sailor here. I've been around, you know, the Mediterranean a few times. This isn't a good time of year for us to go sailing. You guys realize that there's potential for danger out here. Well, verse 11 But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think the advice of the owner of the ship is going to be on this? I mean, he's got a lot of merchandise here. He's got some grain. He's got got some stuff. He's got to get to market. He's got to get to wherever he needs to go. He's got an embargo here that he's got to unload, and he's got to get paid for. All right? And the pilot... If they don't get to where they're going, and the owner doesn't get paid for what's on the ship, the pilot isn't going to get paid. So just keep that in the back of your mind. All right, so the centurion didn't listen to Paul. Followed the advice instead of the pilot the owner of the ship. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority, circle that, decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was the harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. All right, so they decide, you know what? Let's just push on. I heard Phoenix, Arizona's got some really dry weather this time of year, and so let's just press on. It's good for our joints. No, Phoenix actually is at the north. Uh, western, and, and it's just right on the on the tip of the island there, so it, it faces both northwest and southwest. And it had, if you look closer at a map of Crete, there is like this, kind of looks like a field goal in the contour of the land that actually looks like a natural harbor. And it would be good, and often back in the day, they would they would spend winter within that harbor because it had some protection against storms this time of year. But notice what's going on here. Paul's like, you know what? It would be wise for us not to travel this time of year. Centurion goes, I'm going to listen to the pilot. I'm going to listen to the owner. And then it says the majority decided it's good to set sail. Here's point number two, folks. Don't allow money or the majority to drive a decision. How many of you understand that money money is a good slave, but it's a terrible master. And when we start making decisions based on money... Now, it, it may be a factor in the decision, but it better not be the factor. And a lot of times, unfortunately, people make a lot of decisions, sometimes life-changing decisions because of money. Don't make major decisions just solely because of money. It can be disastrous things that happen. So be careful about making decisions solely on the basis of money. Money shouldn't drive our decisions. It may be a factor, It's good to be wise stewards of what God has given us. But we shouldn't be motivated by greed. We shouldn't be motivated by more. Because more is not necessarily what God wants. Sometimes God wants less. But because we never think less translates to success, we always want to opt for more, thinking that's the better deal. That must be God's will. And all I'm saying is pray about it. Because sometimes money is a terrible barometer for what God's will is. Secondly... How many of you understand the majority is not always right? And in this case, we're going to see, once again, the majority is not right. We need to get God's heart on things. We need to stop listening to what just a plurality of people say in our life. We need to hear. There's one singular voice that you and I need to hear over the clamor of all the plurality of people. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. And we need to be willing when it is necessary to stand alone and be a part of the proud minority instead of being guided just because a majority of people say it must be true or it must be right Okay? don't allow the majority to run your life and don't let money run your life because what we're going to see here is they get into a disastrous situation Now God's going to redeem all this for mainly the purpose of protecting Paul what we're going to see is because God's hand is on Paul's life he's going to protect everybody else Which is comforting to know because God's got a plan for your life. Next time you get on that airplane, he's going to protect all those people because of you. And they don't even know it. Anyway, that's point number two. Look here now at verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Now, they're just wanting to go to Phoenix, right? So they're just wanting to go. It's about 40 miles from where they are at Fair Havens in the retirement home over to Phoenix, Arizona. It's only 40 miles. So that's all they have to go. So they're thinking, we're just going to set sail out a little bit off of the southern part of Crete, and we're just going to ease our way around to the harbor at Phoenix, and all's going to go well. doesn't go so well. Look what happens. Verse 14, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And verse 20 says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope, Of being saved. It was only supposed to be a three hour tour. (laughs) Now, if you're too young to remember Gilligan's Island, then I just lost you completely on that joke. But anyway, now here's the thing Um, why is it, verse 20, why is it so important when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days? Why is that an important point? How'd you navigate back in the day? You didn't, have, you didn't have compasses, and you didn't have GPS systems, okay? You navigated by the sun during the day and by the stars at night. And when it is storming so that everything's overcast, you don't have sun, and you don't have the stars, and you're being driven along by the wind, and they're just dropping anchor to try to give some kind of, you know, control to the ship. But basically, they're just going wherever the storm's taking them. And they have no idea where they are. No idea in the middle of the Mediterranean. Day and night, days are going by, in fact... It says here, it's going to tell us later, it's two weeks like this. The weather particularly, translate this, and then you're in the middle of the Mediterranean, and you don't know which way is up, and you don't know what day it is, and you haven't seen the sun for all these days. I mean, it's miserable. It's miserable. And think of everything that goes along with that, too, okay? All right? How many people tend to get seasick? Let me just see your hands. Come on. Let me just, okay. So what happens? Now, you, you put yourself out in the middle of the Mediterranean, and it's just, you're constantly being buffeted by the winds and the storm I mean there's no peace alright so everybody's tossing cookies it's not a pleasant scene verse 21 after the men had gone a long time without food that's why everybody's chucking it so nobody's eating they'd gone without food Paul stood up before them and said men you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete <laughs> yeah, isn't that comforting to know <laughs> hey, even the apostle Paul says I told you so you people listen to me, and everybody's on the side going, Ugh! and like, listen up. If you would not listen to me, people, Ugh! you know, they don't care. But he's going to tell them anyway. You people should have listened to me. And then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Verse 22, he says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Uh, even though I told you so, be strong. Because, he says, not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Well, that's not all that comforting. I don't know. It's a, well, okay, I'm not going to die, but the ship's going to be destroyed. What is that going to mean? How is that going to work out? Well, he tells them, verse 23, that last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. Right, let me pause there and just, just ask you a question. If an angel shows up and says, do not be afraid, what's the assumption Paul's afraid. It's legit. It's okay to be afraid sometimes. And the angel of the Lord says to him, don't be afraid, comforts him. He says, you must stand trial before Caesar. Okay, this is all part of God's providential plan. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Let me tell you what that also implies. He had been praying for the entire crew. He had been praying for them because in answer to his prayer, the angel says, and God's going to give you give you graciously the lives of all who sail with you so paul says so keep up your courage men for i have faith in god that it will happen just as he told me nevertheless we must run aground on some island (laughs) all right so he doesn't have all the all the pieces he just knows we're going to be okay everybody's going to survive ship's going to be destroyed we're going to end up on some island somewhere
0: There's much more to glean from the pages of Acts and the history of the early church, but we'll pause our journey through it for today. Join us next time as Pastor Gary continues to share the the power of the Holy Spirit with us. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary, or the church these messages originate from, we encourage you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Browse through our archive of previous messages while you're there. And feel free to share them with friends and family. Download our mobile app as well to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Pastor Gary has also made available a study guide to accompany his series, In Acts. You can find this digital booklet in companion resources under the teachings tab. Do you live in the Leesburg area or will you be visiting in the near future? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday to spend time in prayer and worship and studying the Bible. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for service times, more information and directions. If you can't join us in person, don't worry. We live stream our services. Just click the link under the teachings tab. Thanks for joining us today. And be sure to tune in again for another edition of Cornerstone Connection.
1: They say you're a wandering soul. That you've got no place to go. But still you know.